Welcome to Healing Networks, an uncommon dialogue where I have Huba Joseph with me. How are you, Hugh? Huba Joseph. Now, straight away, when anybody says Huba, I know that they know me very well. <laughs> yes, yeah, so well, we've known each other for quite some time. <laughs> That's my personal nickname that only a few a handful really use. I yeah, Huba. Where are you now? What are you doing with yourself? I am currently in London, so you're getting um, home from work, I'm assuming. I'm just getting off work. Oh, excellent. Awesome. <laughs> what, what brings you, why are you in the UK? What are you doing there? What, what are your projects? Um, my, well, predominantly back in Australia was kind of uh, radio, uh, musical comedy stuff, and some sort of TV kind of hosting-y kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Kind of stuff. So I came over to the UK to sort of see if I could expand um, the career a bit more outside of Australia into some sort of different in- endeavours and just sort of see where that would take me as well. Yeah. So was of a, I'm going to go over there with the focus of what I have been doing but what I would like to be doing and then just mm-hmm. see where that leads because, you know, sometimes it's not always, you know, you might go over there going, this is exactly what I want but that might clearly show you that particular thing is actually just a stepping stone to something else. Yeah, yeah. I'm over here with that in mind of this is what I want to achieve or what I'd like to do, but where ultimately could that lead? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you were in Australia, you were in radio. So who were you working for and who were you working with? Um, well, depending on where you are in Australia, you, it's easiest to just know be known as a company called Today FM. Mm-hmm. Like um, so, in Sydney, I don't know what they are in Sydney now. They change their names all the time. It's probably ninety nine point ninety five kits or something like that. They're all pretty dumb. <laughs> I was so they have uh, it's kind of Fox FM in Melbourne. In Sydney, I think it's Today FM, Brisbane. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah, but they have them all around Australia. So I worked for them in Adelaide and in Melbourne was the last place I worked. Yeah, for a. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So your main jam is comedy, correct? Yeah, I guess it is because I've done comedy music. Everything on radio was more pushed towards comedy. Um, the presenting was always a bit quirky. And now my main focus is like uh, online sketch comedy. Yeah. So, yeah, it has. Everything I've done has been based around comedy in mm-hmm. one way or another. And um, are you still doing music? I am. I am. I'm not doing as much in London at the moment because I put together this really shit hot band <laughs> and it's really, really hard to make money out of it. And the only reason I would do something that I'm passionate about is to try to make money out of it and exploit people. And if I can't do that, <laughs> no, um, it's, a, it's much like in Australia, we could do a gig and like everyone would get paid and it's fine, blah, blah, blah. In London, it's very different. You have a, a huge saturation of, of bands. So, like, we were quite often doing gigs where at the end of the night, the pro, you know, the promoter might go, cool, here's 50 pounds. And I'm like, awesome, my band just cost 200. Mm, mm. I did it for a year and we did, we did quite a few gigs and we did lots and lots and lots of stuff. But it was just ultimately after that year, it probably cost me about four grand to have the band. Have, you know, to be shelling that out for something that should be making you money. Yeah. It is, I was kind of mm. like, I'm going to back burner for a bit you know ebbs and flows i think ebbs and flows yeah yeah just focusing on other things that have um potentially a bit more uh you know 
the band and stuff, it was costing me money. It wouldn't build a lot of profile. It was just fun. I'm just focusing more on things that are going to build more of a profile and um, a, a, bit, a bit more, you know, viable as far as career advancement goes. I didn't feel like that was the right thing to focus on right now. Understandable. When we joke and take the piss about you exploiting characters on radio, what type of characters have you exploited on radio? No, no, no. I meant like exploiting people out there in the world. Oh. <laughs> but uh, in radio, exploiting people, <laughs> it's funny you say that because one thing that I really enjoy doing, which I, I was kind of maybe not really trained in, but I just thought I just saw it as something that had a bit of impact, was roping people in in your family and friend networks mm-hmm. into things on which is kind of exploiting them a little bit because, you know, they call them up and go, yeah, yeah. oh, hey, mom, do you remember that thing that, you know, da, 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 funny thing happened when I was eight? And she goes, sure. And I'd go, awesome. Can I get you on my show to talk about it this morning? She'd go, of course. And I'd get her on the phone and then she would just have no idea what she was in for. <laughs> I mean, and it would all be funny and I would never do it in a way to like make, I would only ever make myself look stupid. I only ever like doing self-deprecating stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. But it is very much, you know, I would very much exploit my friends and family for our history. You know, people on radio enjoy that. They like knowing where the host is from or things about the host. Yeah, yeah. What do you think the most toughest things that you've seen in that line of work? What do you think the biggest challenges are? I reckon the biggest challenge, I mean, apart from, uh, I mean, I did breakfast radio for like five years. Mm-hmm. So apart from that, it just completely takes over your life. Because mm-hmm. you've got to be at work at 4 a.m. You've got to then, you work till about 1 p.m. And then you've got to think, spend the whole rest of the day and the night thinking about what you're going to do tomorrow. You kind of, it does kind of shut you off from the rest of the world. And I think also what I found really challenging is that it is built in such an environment around fun and frivolity and everyone's having the best time and da 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 but um, a lot of the reality that I came across was crunching numbers, sales figures, and the, the threat of um, not having enough ratings to keep your show. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. This is like no way near as fun as I thought this would be. <laughs> so it is, um, yeah, it's a funny one. Yeah. And I think also just also trying to advance in radio in uh, those kind of spectrums as well is it can be the old catch-22 thing of like, you know, you might go to someone high up the chain. Oh, hey, how do we progress to getting a bigger slot, a bit of this? And they just go, you've got to build your profile. It's like, okay, how do I do that? It's like, so how do you build your profile without having a profile? Mm. Does that make You know what I mean? Yeah. So it is quite challenging. So um, you're always, it's kind of a little bit like chasing the carrot scenario. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're hanging for a long time. It is actually a really challenging job, but I just I really like being on air and having that connection with somebody that's sitting in front of you while being mindful that there is somebody that you can't see listening to you. So how do you connect with someone that is invisible or potentially imaginary yeah. in that scenario while connecting with someone else? It's a really interesting dynamic, like I love. Well, exactly like what you're doing right now. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Out of curiosity, how different is the scene in comparison, like if we're going to compare Australia and the UK? Because you've done both. You've lived in both places and doing similar things in both countries. Is the industry the same? Like, or what, what are the variables there? 
Well, it is very, very, very different, to be honest with you. I think as far as radio goes here, are you talking about radio or just in general? Mm, let's start with radio. Radio in Australia is very formatted and conservative. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the UK, you know, it's, it's a lot different in the sense like you might have a radio station that might have 15 or 20 very prevalent DJs in the, on the European world circuit and they might just do an hour slot, hour slot, hour slot, hour slot, bang, 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 and do all this kind of crazy stuff where traditionally in commercial radio in Australia, you might just have like your one local breakfast show and then you'll have one network show, which obviously network means it's a one show from somewhere, which is getting played on all these different stations around the country. Mm. And that might be in one slot and then your one to 4 p.m. slot is the same. And then you might have a network, Handish and Amy thing, which is whatever, four till six whatever whatever but it's all very formatted it's all very safe it's all very conservative whereas like the last station i worked for in london was a um it was like a very prevalent digital station that was uncensored oh perfect for you you can drop the c-bomb so do you knowing you and knowing your personality i'm just gonna ask you anyways do you did you enjoy that level of freedom yeah, I did. But what I found really weird as well, and uh, funnily enough, I found this about myself, mm. was that they quite often would tell me to push it more. And I'd be like, oh, oh. I'm actually being quite conservative. Ah, right. I was quite hard to just be a bit like, I think, I mean, I thought about it and I was thinking that like maybe in the back of my mind, I was there thinking that this was a stepping stone to go into a more commercial realm here. Mm. So I had to be mindful of who was listening or what I was doing. or But because that station was not about that, it did make it challenging. Mm. So I would be, oh, hey, but, you know, these are like more of a tried and tested radio practice in doing something in this particular format or way. And they were like, no, nah, just get loose, do anything, who cares? Yeah, so I kind of struggled with it. I really oh, actually did. Oh, wow. It made me realise as well that I was probably... Uh, uh, you know, quite conservative in a lot of ways compared to that too. Yeah, weird. yeah, that is weird. Um, so did you have to consistently be creative in, in how to, I suppose, push that envelope and meet that expectation? Yeah, and I do sometimes struggle with that too. Like um, there might be one really big story that everyone's talking about. Mm. So it's like how do you talk about that story in a different way to everybody else? Um, and then you've got to also think of ways of like, how do you do it in a way that is, how is that going to translate with the people that are listening? Mm-hmm. So and all, that, all that shit can be hard to think about at like four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> like get into work and like, something huge has happened. What do we do? And you're like, make a coffee? Like, yeah. Four a.m., man. What do you want? What do you want from me? You know? <laughs> so it can be a little tough. Uh, are you still doing four a.m. morning starts? No, I'm not doing any at the moment. So mm-hmm. to be honest with you, I've been in London for just over three years now. And after about two and a half years, I was not, well, I've been working at that station for nearly two and a half years. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was not really enjoying that environment anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was finding it a little tough in London. I was like, because it's a pretty crazy city and it is very, there's a lot of tension here too. So I actually found myself developing a level of anxiety that I've not really experienced before. Yeah, wow. Getting on the tube and you've got to like, you know, it might be super busy and then you've got to go down like 
200 meters underground to get on the tree. And I'd just be like, ah, I was really finding it hard. Um, and I was finding it hard where I was living and a few things were just kind of coming to a head for me and I didn't know what to do. So I decided to just keep the jobs that were easy and fun, like DJing and doing some other kind of hosting gigs and stuff like that. Uh, and then I moved to Spain to a little Spanish Island mm. and then I lived there week and then I would just fly back on the weekends to quickly do those gigs and then bounce back to Spain. Oh wow, what a life. Life. It was amazing. So I did that for about five months. Um and then just and recently just come back to London because it's uh it's winter now and there's a few projects and things I wanted to do. You talked it's just going back to those um that situation or those struggles that you're talking about, like the anxiety and, and London being really intense. And now that you're back there, how are you managing with that? I'm going to tell you something super weird that I know you will appreciate. Because <laughs> but one of the things I did when I did start developing this anxiety, which I mean, I had, I guess to some extent is being, you get some anxiety or I have experienced the odd anxiety here and there, but not like this, not where it was so regular and I was finding it really tough to control it. So I had a, um, someone got in touch with me who basically they do a lot of work with, they channel someone from another planet. They do counselling work through that. Oh, wow. What? So, um, oh, you've never told me this. Wow, I'm yeah. hearing this for the first time. So um, they, they, and they approached me and said, oh, look, you know, we would just like to just chat with you and have a comment. Like they obviously charge for counselling sessions and they're like, look, we just, what you do, would you like to, and this was through a friend of a friend of a friend. Mm-hmm. And they were like, would you like to um, uh, just have a conversation with us? And I was like, sure. So we chatted about a lot of things. We chatted about other planets and aliens. And, and one of the things I brought up was like, oh, I'm very curious that I've that you're not well, suffering. I've been dealing with having anxiety the last little while. And they just straight away just said, oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, that's not your anxiety. That's, that's the anxiety of living in London. And a collective anxiety that you being a sensitive person will be taking on board each and every day. And I'm like, seriously, it's not your anxiety. It's not your anxiety. And they repeated it about 10 times. And then that little mantra that I've taken from that, this is not my anxiety, it just helps to dissipate every time. Mm. So even now, I can be on the tube and I might be packed and I might be down really way underground and like, and I might feel it. Because with anxiety like that, all you've got to do is just go, oh, this would be a bad time to have one. (laughs) When it does kick in, I just go, no, 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 this is not my anxiety. And it just dissipates. As a little tool, just a little thing, really massively helps. I'm really interested about that and what you've just what you've just said about. So, are you still seeing this person that channels for? Do you want me to put you in touch with them? Sure. sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm really interested by that. So, how how many sessions did you did you go to? If you don't mind me asking. By YouTube, they're based in Perth. And were they able to share any other interesting information with you? See, I reckon you're going to like this one too. This is a bit of a doozy. Um, they said that there is many, many, can't really say people, beings from mm-hmm. other planets that we can't actually see, whether they might be in a different dimension or they might be in a whatever. We can't physically see them, but they are all surrounding the earth and they are all help try to guide it away from its destruction. Mm. So they said there's actually a lot of things at play right now that we are actually being we are actually being looked out for and guided in a particular way. If the earth was destroyed by us, it would have such a major impact on the rest of the, um, of the universe and other dimensions as well that, that it's, um, it's very, very important that that doesn't happen. Yeah. 
Do you think you'll connect with them again? Well, I'm about to. I'm going to tear you up with them. <laughs> yeah, well, that just really tripped me out. Thank you for yeah, sharing that. I, it's funny how you do feel when you're in Australia, how Australia is your world. When you're in the UK or anywhere in Europe, you just feel completely connected to this whole other, like so many other different countries, and even whether it's the States or it's Europe or wherever else, you feel like more of a collective consciousness mm. rather than in Australia. You just do feel, you don't even really feel connected to Asia, you yeah. know, Southeast Asia, really. You kind of just feel a bit like, oh, yeah, it's very, very different, but it's great to go for a holiday where here there is a lot more. I mean, it's got, I mean that's going to be very different now when the whole Brexit thing kicks in to see how much that does disconnect things. Mm. But I think that's probably the biggest thing I enjoy about being here is you do feel a lot like it does really open you up to a more, something sort of opens up in you that I've never really, really seen before, I guess. Yeah, it's nice. But at the same token, I love Australia and I think I'm going to move back. <laughs> Are you cool about talking about this project that, you, that you're about to work on? Yeah, I can definitely talk about it, 100%. Yeah, go for it. I want to know about it. So basically when I was in Australia before I moved here, um, a very good friend of mine, his brother had a production company mm-hmm. who also was a good friend of mine, but he'd been doing uh, he had quite a big production company too. Well, you know, medium size, but, you know, he had probably, I don't know, 12 full-time staff and was doing lots of big campaigns and stuff, but all of it advertising. So, you know, things like they used to make like the Jeep commercials and stuff like that, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. all he wanted to do was make comedy. So me and him were like, oh, sick, we should write some like sketches or put a sh- you know, start writing a show. So me, him, and a couple of other TV writers started like bouncing ideas around. And then very shortly into that, I had the opportunity to move here. And I was like, shit, I'm really sorry, but I kind of have to go now. So that kind of like just kind of pulled the pin on that whole thing. And then maybe like six months later or something like that, he hit me up and was like, oh, you're not going to believe it, but I've just married a Dutch girl. And uh, we've uh, and I'm moving to Europe. So we should reinvigorate everything. So, um, so you know, it took a couple of months to get everything settled and stuff. But so for the last two years, uh, him and I created this project called OKS OK TV, which is a um, it's essentially a sketch comedy TV series. Mm-hmm. And we worked with a stack of different people, and it's based. I'm so I'm the base here in London. He's the base in Amsterdam. And we, sh- we basically film and write between the two. Um, and we've, yeah, we've been like really chipping away to, for like two years now. And uh, we've just, we've, we're launching like the first sort of mini series as like a, a on, online thing, which we just launched literally on Wednesday. And we're kind of doing it on, uh, on Facebook. We're launching like a sketch each week at the same time over six weeks. And then those six sketches will compile one TV episode, which we'll then we'll put onto YouTube. Mm-hmm. It'll be like a YouTube channel and also a Facebook channel. And, you know, hopefully they both help drive and support each other, essentially. And then we're just going to see where it goes from there to hopefully get a bit of profile and leverage to then take that to TV. Something. You know, ideally, I'd really love something like Comedy Central or whatever. But the point of difference is, is that we have, with all the online content and stuff that goes up um, at the moment and is very prevalent on YouTube. A lot of it's, you know, a lot, a lot of it's by people that are either, either learning production or have a basic knowledge of it and, you know, to do some stuff. But working with a guy 
who is incredibly good at production. Mm-hmm. He's been a professional director, filmer, editor for 20 plus years. Um, and then working with people that are like really, really highly trained TV writers and stuff like that um, is we're able to create um, content that is actually TV quality. So it's TV quality content that is literally being put up as an offering at the moment online for free. So we're kind of hoping that's like the point of difference at the moment. It's going good. Like we've had a lot of traction over the last week and, you know, we're pretty happy. You know, our sketches are all, I mean, they're not, we're only starting, it's starting small, it's building small. We've only got like a couple of thousand followers. and But all the all the sketches so far are all getting, you know, a good 100,000 views and stuff like that. So we're kind of like, which is kind of all small fries in the scheme of things, but we're, yeah, it's, it's starting foundation yeah you're building the momentum like i was saying earlier about coming to the uk or whatever even though this did uh, conceptualize in australia but um coming to the uk you don't know where things are going to lead and what's going to happen mm-hmm. so this whole idea of having this particular type of show it wasn't really until seeing it all come together over the last few weeks i was like this is probably like the one thing in my life that i would have always consistently would have loved to have had so it's such a weird pipe dream and i was like oh my god i actually do have one now yeah that's really cool speaking of tv shows i want to take you back a few years when you were on a reality tv show do you remember that dating reality tv (laughs) can you tell us the story because how did you end up on that and where did you end up on that so Dinner Date is a essentially it's a, a, a cooking slash dating show made here in the, in London in the UK, and it's essentially they have uh, one person, either a guy or a girl, um, they get presented with five different menus mm-hmm. from potential suitors, mm-hmm. and, and you were one of the potential suitors. Potential suitors, mm-hmm. and they pick their three favorite menus, and then they go over to that person's house. And that person cooks them a three-course meal. Mm-hmm. And then they go. And then the person, they pick their favourite date by the end of it to then go out, you know, go out on another date somewhere else and then see if love can fly. So I'd only been in the UK for like six weeks, yeah. like that. And my cousin, who was her favourite show, she's like, oh, my God, you have to go on this show. It would be amazing. And I was like, what? Um, I was actually, so she lived with her mum, my auntie, and I was sleeping on their couch. Mm-hmm. And I was like, pretty sure you need a house to go on like a show. Like, pretty sure. <laughs> she's like, she's like, uh, she's like, I'll just blag it. Just say you live here. And I was like, so anyway, so she kind of like started the process and got, and then they hit me up and they were like, yes, you sound perfect. You sound perfect. What we want to do. So they put me on an episode um, of a celebrity dinner date. And uh, with a, a famous girl here in the UK who I'd never heard of in my life, but, you know, someone from, like, Big Brother and all these other things. And then, you know, um, I don't know. And then the other, so the other guys were, like, uh, I don't know, supposed to be some way attached to media or something, whatever. And, um, yeah, so they basically, every time they came around to film, I had to rearrange the house. <laughs> like I live there and not my auntie. <laughs> like, change <laughs> So, you know, like they wouldn't go through a drawer, my drawers and like, you know, see all women's knickers and stuff like that. So, put like my jumpers and, and jeans over her drawer. Like, it was so weird. It was so weird. 
and then they did. They came over and we cooked this, you know, cooked their dinner, and it was it was actually it was really funny and a really a really good night. And she um she went she picked a stripper. There was a stripper. She oh wow, a stripper. Mm. that's okay. She was she we she was not my type. <laughs> I'm interested to know what you cooked her. What was the, I, what was the meal? I turned vegetarian a few months after this, but I did cook her duck. I made duck. And then I also made a cheesecake. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, Spana for entree. Well done. Uh, experience. I always know when the reruns are played because I get all these weird messages from, like, women in their 50s. <laughs> what do they say to you? Like, oh, hi, you see, I can't believe she didn't choose you. You seem so lovely. Like, let me know if you want to let... Oh, I was like, thanks. <laughs> what are some other crazy um, projects that you've worked on? I was doing some work with like an online magazine here called The Hook. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have you heard of like they have these really big Facebook pages like Unilad mm-hmm. and all these other ones. So all essentially what all these these uh, online people are they're like content providers. Whether that's some online viral video where they create their own content or whatever, blah 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 blah. So I started working with this company, The Hook, and like, you know, like writing a few sketches and acting and a few different things for them. So they sent us away to a festival in the, in the Isle of Wight. And we all went out there and they're very, very limited now with what they do with um, uh, media access at festivals. Like in the good old bad days, they would just go, yeah, media pass is a triple A pass. You can go anywhere you want, do whatever you want. So I was there with people I didn't really know, the production people and some producers and stuff to like cover the festival and interview people and do all that sort of shit. And I was like telling them, I was like, yo, yo, I've been to like lots and lots of festivals. Like I'm really, really good at blagging, really, really good at blagging, right? And they were like, oh, okay, sure. But you know, they're very like, you got to be careful. We're here with the hook and da, 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 da. I was like, oh, I'm not going to do anything bad. I just, just check this out. Check this out. So we go there, they take us to backstage and then there's the media tent and they're like, don't leave the media tent. I was like, yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. So I just know from a festival and because I have long hair and I have a foreign accent that all I would really need to do is wear a denim jacket and put a black fedora on. And people would probably think I was in a band. Right? <laughs> so that's all I had to do. So I knew it was just as simple as that. So I was like, just, I was like, oh, I'm just going outside of the media tent, just, you know, get some fresh air for a second. And then just stand around a few other people and, and so we'd be like, oh, hey, where you go? Hey, what's going on? And I was like, Oh, yeah, yeah, it's here from Australia. And they'd be like, oh, sick. That's dope, man. That's dope. And, like, you know, no one wants to go into too much detail about who people are. They're like, you know, come and have a drink, man. There's a bar's over there. And I'm like, yeah, sweet. So I just roll in with some people that were from a band and they'd, they'd be like, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. So they take you back to this backstage bar where it's like everything is free. And then you walk in and there's like clothing stores where shit's free. So, like, Maybe an hour later or something, I walk back into the media tent and I've got like a couple of boxes of shoes and I've got some clothes and then I've got like wristbands for everyone to go into this VIP bar and they were just like, mate, what the fuck? So I think we're spending more time at this festival <laughs> just getting trashed backstage and getting free shit. We did actually go out into the festival for we saw. I thought you'd be really proud of me. I was like, I was like, Blue queen. <laughs> by the end of it, like those people were like, Shoot. Oh, I completely forget what band you're in. Uh, anyway, it's some dude from Australia. And like, you know, that's enough. And people would just introduce me like that. Really <laughs> and I was hanging out with these other bands who I didn't even know who they were. And one dude even came up to me. This is how weird it was, right? This one dude came racing up to me in this backstage bar. 
And he was like, dude, aren't you the DJ from Run DMC? <laughs> I was like, you got me, buddy. You got me. <laughs> he was like, let me go grab my girlfriend. I was like, yeah. You got me. You got me. I'm eight and a half, a little, like, you know, skinny white boy from Australia. Like, what are the, what are the odds of me DJing for, uh, for Run DMC? Like, fucking slim. They're pretty slim. <laughs> a little... Oh, that's gold. I love it. I totally love it. Cool. So do you think you're going to move back to Australia? Yeah, I'm thinking about it. Well, I mean, it was a bit more before I moved to Spain. Mm-hmm. I moved to Spain to just see if I could have the balance of having the both, you know, beautiful open space and the sun and the beach and mm-hmm. the easier lifestyle and then just coming in for work. Yeah. It was fun and a tough. And it's, Australia actually is a really, really easy country to live in. Mm-hmm. And you realise that living in Europe. Um, you know, and to some extent also the States too. Like Australia is a really easy place to live. It's very, um, you know, I mean, there's pros and cons anywhere. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's an easy lifestyle. And I, I, was, I have been missing it. And I was, you know, thinking about it. But, I mean, the whole purpose of me coming to the UK was to see what I could explore. Yeah. Um, that's not done yet. And mm-hmm. I leave prematurely, then that's just kind of counterproductive. You know, I think it's kind of like a, when you're in a relationship um, and um, you kind of feel like things aren't going well, but you really want to stick it out to make sure you exhaust every avenue before going, okay, we actually do need to split now. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's a loving relationship. If we do split, it's going to be amicable. But yeah, we just see. At the moment, I'm really enjoying it and I've decided to just, you know, really give it another shot. So let's say if you do decide to live in the UK or stay in the UK, sorry, because you are living in the UK, um, will you travel back to do any more Melbourne comedy festivals? You know, maybe. I have been thinking about that. I haven't done it for a while. Uh, For two years now I haven't done one. But the last one I did was really, really fun. Actually really, really fun. And it has been on my mind again to write something new. Mm -hmm. I, I I just don't think in London I would really do stuff with the band per se. I don't know, but it's been on my mind. And I was actually in the studio with a bunch of people here last night just doing some different, not comedy stuff, just doing some, just playing guitar and singing and doing some music. And I, I really love playing music. I really, really do. It is really definitely, you know, my biggest passion. And so, yeah, I'm curious to see um, what gets re-inspired in the next month or two. But I would say, yes, it's highly likely. Well, I want to say thank you for jumping on a podcast and sharing your crazy self and crazy stories. And um, hopefully we can uh, catch you on another one, Huey.